0: Hey, we're going to be in uh, Luke, the first chapter, Luke chapter one, verse 26 through 38 today. And I want to make a few observations about Mary. It is 1134, but this is the second service and there's no other service coming. So we have all the time in the world together. Uh, It's going to be a great, it's going to be a great one, but I want to make three observations about Mary. And um, it's interesting. Mary was played by my daughter, Karis, right down here. And uh, that I took a picture yesterday during rehearsal and it's, it's easy to get, kind of caught up in the uh, the the Like character of Christmas, like it's it's got its own character, doesn't it? It's got its own nature, and it's cute and it's cuddly, and we uh, we we sanitize it so that everybody kind of gets can get into it and grab a hold of it, and that's all wonderful. How many of you put up a nativity during your Christmas decorations this week, and you have the little animals and the baby Jesus, and we have a couple of nativities, and I just love everything about it. But how many know these were real people, right? These were real people facing real trial, real circumstances, real pressure of what it meant to say yes to God like I'm gonna say yes to God but it's gonna cost me something I think about the cost of, of what Mary the price Mary had to pay to say yes to God I think about the price Joseph had to pay to say yes to God uh, it was there was a steep price to pay there was a social price there was an economic price there was a, a loss of identity price right and an embracing of his call on their lives and so when I think about the life of Mary um, I, I, I think of Christmas possibilities right the things that God wants to do that may seem impossible may seem so so far out there but when Jesus came into the world he basically made a statement by just him coming that the impossible is possible with God. That whatever God wants to do, man, he can do. He can intervene human history and, uh, and create something that's never been seen before. And that's what we have when we celebrate Christmas. We're celebrating real people and really what God did, but we're celebrating real people who said yes to God. And they weren't if, any different than you and I. They had the same economic struggles. They had the same social struggles. They had the same kind of relationship issues that came up. I mean, it's easy to kind of look at them as, char- as characters in a fairy tale, but they were real, and they had real struggles, and they still said yes to the Lord. It happened in real space, in real time, and His birth, His coming impacted each and every one of them in a different way. When I think about Christmas and the possibilities of what God could have for us, uh, I want to look at three aspects of what Mary had to say yes to. Look at verse 28. It says this, and He came to her and He said, Greetings, O favor one. This is the, the angel of the Lord appearing to Mary. Greetings, O oh favor One, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And I love how the author, you know, Luke, when he writes this, he kinda he kinda sees the big picture of what's going on. She's greatly troubled. He says, "The Lord is the Lord is with you. Why would that trouble you?" <laughs> well, how many of you know like sometimes when somebody compliments you really well, it's like, "What are you going to ask me to do?" <laughs> I don't know if that was going, what was going on in Mary's life, but when my kids come up to me and say, "Daddy, I love you," oh, let's just snuggle. It's like, how much you know? I just feel that I feel like something's coming at the end of that. But she says, "This great this." saying greatly troubled her, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found Favor with God. You have found favor with God. And this this word favor is a it's a very important word in, in scripture. Um, and it's really something that each and every one of us walk with. We walk in the favor of God. Um, each and every one of us that we've been redeemed and, and set free, we've been hidden with Christ. We are no longer our own, but we are in Him and He is in us. Like that's a big deal. We walk with the favor of being God's children, co heirs with Christ. Like we are part of His inheritance, and we have Access to things that we don't always remember I love what Doug shared during communion that there are benefits of what it means to follow God and that's a really big deal that's a something that we have to remember and even the author of that psalm says forget not all his benefits why because it's easy to forget how much favor you and I are called to walk in how much favor we have access to by simply being the children of the most high God greetings Mary you are you are highly favored by God What would favor mean for Mary? And this is where we get a little uh, confused sometimes because we think favor means like calm seas, right? Favor means like easy road ahead. (laughs) Favor means like, oh, great. I have favor with the most high God. Like I've got a struggle free Life, like everything's just going to go my way. Que sera sera, it's all going to be wonderful from here on out. But favor for Mary would mean social ridicule, favor for Mary would mean nine months of discomfort being pregnant, favor for Mary would be pain in childbirth. How many know just because she gave birth to the Savior doesn't mean it was painless? And as far as I know, they didn't have epidurals back then, all right? So praise God for epidurals. Can I hear an amen from the ladies in the room, all right? If you don't know what an epidural is, ask your mom. If you're 52, ask your mom, all right. That's somebody else's mom. And epidurals, went, you know, I'll tell you later. Uh, my wife loves them. She loves her epidurals. And because uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like drugs to make it pain, pain, a little bit less pain. Um, and uh, she always jokes. She says, hey, if I could get an epidural the day I got pregnant, I would have, you know, right? Like for the whole pregnancy. Okay. Swing and a miss on the pregnancy <laughs> jokes. All right. I feel like women should be telling the pregnancy jokes. Probably not. That's probably not. It's why why it's not landing like I thought it would. All right but think about Mary traveling while pregnant, hop, hopping on a donkey and relocating. How many of you know that's not a good strategy if you're a husband trying to help your wife be comfortable in her last stages of pregnancy? Hey, dear, I know you're super pregnant, uh, but you know I, maybe you're six months pregnant, seven months pregnant. How many of you know there's no no good time when you're pregnant to jump on a donkey for a big, long ride, okay? And yet this is what they, they end up doing. And so Mary is going through this, and part of her having favor with God is going to mean trial and tribulation. And And I think we need to get a different idea of what favor means. Like when the favor of God is on us, it doesn't mean that the trial and tribulation is gone. It means that his presence is with us as we go through it right? There's still things to accomplish. There's still perseverance. There is still something that has to rise up of resilience inside of each and every one of us to not just say yes to God when the angel's in the room, but to say yes to God at each moment along the journey. And how many of you know Mary at any moment could have said no to God? She could have said, hey, it's too much. It's too much social ridicule. It's too much pain. It's too much frustration. And she could have made her own decisions and figured out a way out of that yes that she had given to God. She could have taken it back at any moment. I know this is a little bit of speculation, but I often wonder, like, when we have these biblical characters, right, these biblical characters that rise up and make these huge sacrifices, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, you know, you've got Noah, you've got Mary and Joseph, you've got these huge biblical figures. I always wonder, like, did God ask somebody else before he asked them? How many no's did God have before Mary said, be it to me according to your will, O God? before he found somebody willing to submit. The only reason I speculate on that, and it's not in scripture, and I'm not asking you to make a theology about this, because I know so many who say no to God all the time. We all know people who say no to God. We've been those people who've said no to God, that the cost got too high. The, 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 the price tag was just a little too much for us to bear. Like I, I'll say yes to God in, in these five categories, but I'll say no to God in these five categories. I'll say yes to God on the easy stuff, but I can't handle saying yes to God on the hard stuff. And this costs me, and it's just the way I'm built, and it's just the way I'm wired. and I, I can't say yes to God about humbling myself and seeking restoration of that relationship that went awry, asking for forgiveness, getting down and washing my, the feet of the person who's wronged me, right? And there's moments where we repel from saying yes to God or we embrace it and say yes to God. What we celebrate in these biblical characters, these biblical figures, is these are regular people who said yes to God despite tremendous obstacles, And we celebrate them and we look to them and we say, God, I want to be like Mary. I want to be like Mary. I want to say yes to everything that you would have for me, even if I don't understand what's coming. She's displaced while giving birth. Uh, There's no resting place for her. She doesn't have, there's no room in the inn. The favor from God that rested on Mary's life would come with a cost. I like to say this. Another way to look at it is when, when the angel appeared to Mary, he's really prophesying into her future. We get kind of weird about prophecy. We think that when somebody prophesies, it's like, man, that's, that's going to happen. But I like to say it this way, prophecy is possibility based on your, yours and mine obedience, right? Based on the way that we walk in obedience, whatever prophecy you've received, maybe somebody came up to you and gave you a prophetic word about your future and it just hasn't come to pass. And I, I say, Hey, listen, have you obeyed every step along the way? Wherever you felt like your life went awry, maybe there's a place of disobedience that you need to go back and just correct before God. And how many of you know he's gracious and he's kind and he will help walk you through any point of correction, but obedience is a really big deal to God and it will keep us, lack of obedience will keep us from fulfilling what God has for us. Mary was favored, interesting, but she was also afraid. (laughs) Mary was favored, but she was also afraid because she knew the cost that was coming. When you get a sense that God wants to use you, it can be a fearful thing. But how many of you know, on the other side of obedience, it'll all be worth it. Whatever God has asked you to do, whatever he is inviting you to create as a habit in your life or pursue as a point of obedience in your life man, it's going to be worth it. It might be hard getting up to the decision point, but when you look on the back end and you see the faithfulness of God all the way through the process, you will say, I'm so glad I chose to obey the Lord. The second thing that we see in Mary is that God doesn't mind our questions, even our specific ones. Look at verse 34. It says this, and Mary said to the angel, how is this going to be since I'm a virgin? And um, that's a really technical question. God, how are you going to do this thing where but the, the savior of the world is birthed through me, but I'm a virgin. And it's interesting, like, it's as if she's saying, God, I know you created me, but do you understand biology and um, how this all works? You know, I mean, if you're, if there's an angel in the room and he's saying, you're going to give birth to the savior of the world. And she's like, how's that going to happen? Because I, you know, I haven't done that. I haven't been down that road yet. So how's this going to happen? It's interesting that the angel doesn't rebuke her question. He doesn't say, "How dare you? Don't no, just just believe. Just believe." He doesn't say that. How dare you ask such a silly question? Do you know who you're talking to? I am an angel. Like he doesn't do that. He simply says, "For nothing will be impossible with God." Listen, nothing's going to be impossible with God. At the end of his discourse, he tells her how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The bottom line is, what you think is impossible is totally possible when we're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When we're talking about God, we're talking about impossible things becoming possible. I think about Christmas this season, and the title of the message is Christmas Impossibilities, right? Right? making Christmas possible, things that can happen at Christmas time that seem impossible that are possible for you and I. And I wonder if my, in myself, if like, is there things that we have just put on the category of it would be impossible for God to do that he would turn into a possible because we look through the lens of heaven. We look through the lens of the power of the Holy Spirit. We look through the lens of God's word coming true in our life. He does not leave her hanging, he answers the question. I believe God is wanting to do impossible things through his people, but we have to be open. We have to be open to him doing impossible things. And he's not looking for the kind of faith that is blind faith. He gives us his word, he gives us us stories, he gives us his Holy Spirit on the inside of us, directing us and guiding us and speaking and ministering to our hearts, empowering and strengthening us. You know, when you walk out the doors today, you're going to see a beautiful day, right? It's beautiful out there, and maybe it'll rain a little bit. So he gives us creation. He looks to the sun, the moon, the stars. We look in the heavens. We look at, go, go drive to Tahoe and tell me there's not a God, right? I mean, we think of God as inviting us into blind faith, and yet he's given us every reason to have faith so much. We have an entire book, 66 books, 40 authors given to us about the character and the nature and the kindness and the faithfulness of God. He's not inviting us into blind faith. He may not give us all the answers to every single question, but he says, go ahead and ask the questions. Go ahead. There's no question too specific. There's no question uh, too outrageous for me to not walk you through. And this is what Mary does. She's willing to hear out the angel but she also has your questions. How many of you know our fear is not a reason to not ask a question like, well, I just, you know, I'm not going to ask cause I'm afraid I'm not going to ask because that's all, that's a lack of faith. I want to invite you. One of the reasons that you grow as a Christian is because you ask really good questions Man, I don't want anybody to just own their faith on the basis of the preacher said so. Man, own your faith because you have had an encounter with God in His Word. You've had an encounter with God in your own quiet, personal life, your prayer time, your worship time. Believe believe that this is the way because God is speaking it into your life and you're watching it being proved out in your own circumstances. The third thing that we see in Mary is we see that attitude is everything. If we're going to open up to Christmas possibilities, seeing God do impossible things in our life, Man, our attitude has to change. And Mary's does. She has an opportunity to hear from the angel. She has an opportunity to ask her questions. And then this is her response, her attitude shift in verse 38. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I am the servant of the Lord. This is a really great response for every believer. My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. I don't get to make my own way. I'm a servant to the, of the Lord. And if your word is saying something to me, if this word from the angel of God is speaking to me about my future, man, I probably have some more questions. But at the end of the day, God, be it to me according to your word. I want what you want. I'll tell you what, we would save ourselves a whole lot of trouble if we opened our Bibles and simply submitted our lives to what we read and what we study. That when we see the word and we open up the word of God and we hear passages, we hear sermons, or we sit in small groups and we are convicted by the Holy Spirit about a direction our life needs to move or a decision that we need to make. If we would just be like Mary and say, I'm going to do what the word says. If that's your word for my life, I embrace it. And how many of you know there are more words for your life? There are answers in scripture, my goodness, to things that you wouldn't think there were answers to that as you dive in and as you open up your heart and open up your mind to the things that God would have for you, he will walk, he will show you answers. He will give you solutions to problems and he will answer your questions in ways that you weren't, you may be even looking for, but he'll direct you by his word. Be it to me according to your word. I want to talk about two words that we see in Mary's life, willing and available. Let's say that together, willing and available. We'll do, it, we'll do it again. Ready? One, two, three. Willing and available. That's the only ask. Right? If you're going to be a person who experiences impossible things from God at Christmas, Christmas possibilities happening in your life, breakthrough in your life, freedom in your life, the reconciliation of a, of a relationship that went bad, a family member, seeing God bring a loved one home. I mean, freedom from addiction, freedom from pain, watching God heal your body, my goodness, willing and available. I wish I could tell you that we could make God's will happen. You know, like, well, yeah. You know, if you do, if you pray 10 minutes every morning and then four and a half minutes at lunchtime and then two minutes and you say exactly these words, then God is, you, 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 you handcuff God and he has to do it for you. It's like, it doesn't work that way. Jesus didn't give us a formula to follow, like a one, two, three, and then boom, all your problems disappear. Everything goes smooth. Everything that you want God to do just happens if you do dot, dot, dot. A lot of people are searching for that, aren't there? And there's a lot of cults and a lot of different other forms of uh, even faith that claim Christianity. But there's a lot of different forms of religion that say, if you follow the formula, then you'll get everything you're looking for in life. And that's not the way God works because God recognizes he wants a relationship with you. And he's going to speak to you about things that he's not going to speak to your neighbor about. And he's going to call you to places of obedience that he's not calling your neighbor to. And this is why Paul says, Hey, don't get upset about if they eat meat or if you don't eat meat, just try not to do stuff that, you know, causes other people to stumble. But God's going to convict you guys about different things. And he's going to convict other people about other things. How about this? You hear from God and you just do you in front of Jesus. Whatever he's asking you to do, do that. and it's going to be different. How many of you know, to my recollection, there was only one Mary that had Jesus. Like he didn't use anybody else to do that thing. That was her thing. That was her place of obedience. And just as much as there was fear in her heart and just as much as there was pressure in her heart and that she had to walk through them some saying some, some, some things to embrace that point of obedience, how many know, it's very similar to the obediences that you and I have to face. And we may not be birthing the son of God. If some of you are, listen, we have hospitals for people who think they're birthing the son of God. All right. That doesn't that happened one time. Doesn't happen anymore. Okay. That, that we just had one Jesus. There's not more Jesus coming. There is a, There he's coming again, but it's the same Jesus. All right. Okay. We're all tracking on the same page. All right. There's not more Jesus's there. God's not looking for more Marys. Right. He's, but he is looking for people who will say yes to him. He is looking for people who will raise their hand and say, I'm willing, I'm available, even if I don't have all the answers. I wanna ask Gavin to come up and play. You and I can't make the will of God happen, but we can live our lives and position ourselves in a way that invites it to happen, right? We can live our lives in a way that allows us to see the will of God happening in our lives at, I believe, a higher rate of return. And how do we do that? walking according to his word and walking in obedience. We position ourselves under the umbrella of his blessing and his grace and his favor. We keep going when it's hard. We keep saying yes, even though our flesh says, oh, say no, that's too big of a sacrifice. That's too big of an ask. And we say, no, I'm gonna be a person who pursues Jesus despite the sacrifice and despite the ask. What if this year we got a little more hungry, a little more open and a little more risky in our life with God? What if this year we took more steps of obedience? What if this Christmas season, we opened ourselves up to more possibilities of God doing impossible things in and through our lives? Man, I mean, think, I think our lives would be changed if we walked out of this room and we say, Lord, if I see it in your word, if I hear it from your Holy Spirit, I'm gonna be like Mary and I'm just gonna be obedient. If that's what your word says, that's what I'm going to do. I can't make, how many know Mary couldn't make it happen? You know what what God didn't say to her? So go out and find a man and you get yourself pregnant. That's not what the angel said to her, did he? He said, hey, listen, the Holy Spirit's going to do the heavy lifting. The Holy Spirit's going to do the hard work. All I need from you tonight is a yes. That's all I need from you right now is a Yes. Let me know you're willing. Because here's the other thing. The Holy Spirit's never going to violate anybody. He, you know what the thing is? God is not going to override your free will. He's going, he will let you make a mess of your life. How I many know, oh, oh, he let me, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, we can look back and say, oh, yeah, he let me make a mess of my life for a lot of years. But he kept calling me. He kept calling me. He didn't leave me alone. He didn't leave me stranded. He kept wooing me back as a good heavenly father, as a good savior. Amen. So this morning, let's close our eyes and bow our heads. And I want to ask this question. What is the impossible thing you're going to believe God for this Christmas? What is the impossible place of healing? What is the impossible place of restoration? What is the impossible place of man, maybe a reconciliation of a relationship? want you to just get that in your head and your heart and maybe open up your hands in front of you. Lord, this morning...